title of the lesson, Perilous Times Will Come. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, and then down in verses 10 and 11. I'll go ahead and pull up this uh, introduction slide there. Paul warns Timothy that these difficult times are going to come. But in this section also, he gives insight into how we are to respond to those difficult times. Three points that we'll take a look at this this morning. Perilous times are going to come. Remember, there's more. That doesn't mean more perilous times. There's just more to the story than just that. And then how do we respond? And I'll go ahead and put up that first point there. In 2 Timothy, as we take a look at this, and I just want to remind you that sometimes these uh, epistles... First and Second Timothy and Titus, sometimes referred to as those pastoral epistles. We have talked about that in class. We refer to them as those minister because Paul is talking to Timothy about being a preacher, evangelist, a um, preacher, evangelist, minister, minister. <laughs> Thank you, Denny. <laughs> those three. And so sometimes whenever people read these, they think, well, those are kind of directed towards preachers and maybe I don't need to spend that much time in that. Well, there is instruction there, certainly, for those who preach the gospel and so forth. But there's a whole lot more that is contained in those letters and things that can be beneficial to us. Because even as we read this morning or talked about this morning from the last chapter of that second epistle to Timothy, these are some of the very final words that the Apostle Paul is going to pen. And at the close of this letter, it's understood that Paul will give his life in service to Jesus Christ. And so that will be the last letter. And as you think about Paul, and you think about him in that situation, and you think back on his life, and you think back when he was called, and when Jesus called him on that road to Damascus, and you think about how Paul went on those Uh, missionary journeys and so forth and you think about the things that he went through all the things he did there are times when Paul shines bright (laughs) but there's probably no time in his life that he shines any brighter than he does in this letter because of the circumstances and the situation that he is in at this particular time and so in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1 He writes to Timothy and he says, perilous times are going to come. It actually says difficult times are going to come. And as we think about that, we think about, you know what, in every life, in my life, in your life, in all of our lives, perilous times come. Difficult times come into our life. And that's where I say, reading these letters, we got to come to understand that it applies more than just to preachers <laughs> or to the Apostle Paul. It applies to all of us. Difficult times come into our lives. And down in verse 10 and 11, he says, But you have carefully followed my teaching, my manner of life, my purpose, my faith, my long suffering, my love, my perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, What persecutions I endured. And out of all of them, the Lord delivered me. We talked about that a little bit in class this morning. But what's the implication? 
that Paul is making to Timothy on this occasion. In all that I've gone through, the Lord has delivered me. And the implication is very clearly this. Timothy, if he delivered me, he'll deliver you also. And so he says, Timothy, you know my teachings. You know what I believe, Timothy. You know my manner of life. And you know my love. You know my perseverance. You know my sufferings. And you know how I responded. And Timothy, it's the same for you. And the Lord delivered me. So as we think about the Lord delivering Paul, and as he's suggesting he will deliver Timothy, then we ask the question, how does, how does he deliver? <laughs> and so that's why I want us to give consideration to these three points this morning. Perilous times are going to come. But there's more. <laughs> there's more to the story. And then how is it that we respond? So first of all, perilous times. The word that is used there says or means difficult. And that's the way it's rendered in the ESV and the, in the New American Standard. It says difficult. Now I want you to think with me for just a moment. I'm going to go just a little bit to the extreme here for just a moment. But you think about difficult times that come into people's lives. So I'll give you a couple of dates. And I think these will probably come to mind for those of us who are old enough to remember all these dates. It was April 20th, 1999. Maybe you don't remember the date just off the top of your head, but I bet you remember this. It's Columbine. Now you remember? It's Littleton, Colorado. Crazy times. Difficult times. Two shooters. Twelve students. One teacher perish that day September 11th 2001 extremists fly planes into the sides of the Twin Towers in New York City over 3,000 people die lives forever changed children changed families changed difficult times come Parkland, Florida, Stoneman Douglas High School, one shooter, 17 dead, 17 injured. I knew a young lady that was there. Difficult times, and they come, don't they? <laughs> Perilous times. And sometimes things come and it's like, no, that's hard to handle. <laughs> that's, that's difficult. And so immediately as we think about those kinds of things, we think about difficult times, things that are hard to handle that come into our lives. And we think to ourselves, why'd that happen? <laughs> and it's like, how do I handle this? And a lot of times whenever we think about difficult times, we might think about car accidents, we might think about tornadoes, we might think about fires, cancer, and all these kinds of things. And we say, why? And why did that have to happen? And why did this tragedy in life? And so Paul tells Timothy, he says, you know. 
what went on in Antioch and Iconium and Lystra. Difficult times came. And you know that the Lord delivered me, Timothy. But yet, whenever we encounter difficult times, one of the things that takes center stage in our minds is that question. Why? So let me tell you this. As we ponder why, I would like to tell you I got the answer. (laughs) And I can tell you why. (laughs) I would like to tell you that. But the truth of the matter is, I got nothing. I don't have the answer as to why. And sometimes, when things like that happen, and we start to think why, we have to remember, God doesn't just always give us an immediate answer as to why. But we ponder. And then one of the other dangers of that is this. God is all powerful. God is all good. And if that's true, then I still want to know why. And couldn't he have stopped that? And why didn't he? So when those kind of things come, our world gets a little shaky, doesn't it? (laughs) Gets a little uncertain. And it gets a little unsafe. And tragedy comes and we realize we live in a broken world. We live in a fallen world. And we ask, why? And we don't know. And so you're probably saying their thing, well, thanks for pointing that out. (laughs) You don't have the answer, and we've established that. So what I think the benefit of that is this. If we admit that we don't know why, if we admit that there are certain things that we do not know, then you know what that does enable us to do? It gives us an opportunity to think about the things that we do know. Stop thinking about the things we don't know and think about the things that we do know. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, in this context, in verse 12, the Apostle Paul says, Yea, and all who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And you think to yourself, how does that help? (laughs) You just told me another negative. If I live as a Christian, I'm also going to suffer persecution. Well, sometimes we focus so much on the negative that we miss the positive. And there's a positive right there. And you know where the positive is? He says... And all who live godly shall suffer persecution. Oh, wait a minute. You mean somebody else is going to suffer through this too? Yeah, Timothy. I've been through it. 
You'll go through it. All. Everybody. Who wants to live godly. You're going to experience life. (laughs) And sometimes it's real hard. But you know what? Now you recognize you're a part of a bigger community. Oh, wait a minute. You mean there's other people out there that they believe just like I believe? They think like I think? They strive to live the way that I live? Paul said, yeah. That's why I told you, Timothy. You know my teaching. You know my manner of life. And that's what we share, Timothy. Me and you. As followers of Jesus Christ. We encounter life together on the same plane. And that's a comfort. That's a strength. That's a positive. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, this time, verse 12. He says, For this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and that I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. You know what Paul just said? I didn't live by answers, Timothy. You know how I live? I live by faith. I know whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded. He's fully able to deliver what I've committed to him until that day, against that day. So, Timothy, I'm thankful for others who have the same faith, the same aim, the same purpose, the same love, who experience life just like I do. I know this. (laughs) So, instead of thinking about what I don't know, I know this. And Timothy, you know it. You have a support group, Timothy. <laughs> That's what he's saying. We're in this together. In 2 Timothy 3 and verse 1, he says, You know that perilous times will come. And in the original language, what that word means, it means difficult Hard to handle. It can also mean violent, dangerous, fierce, or evil. That Greek word that is used there in verse 1 is only used twice in the New Testament. You want to know when the other time was? That it was used. Matthew the 28th chapter. About verse 28. It's very interesting. That in chapter 3 and verse 1. He says difficult times are going to come. Hard to handle. But that word can also mean violent. Fierce. Evil. And in Matthew the or Matthew the 8th chapter. About verse 28. The occasion there is where Jesus is going to cross over to the other side of Galilee with his disciples. And you know where they land? (laughs) 
They land in the region of the Gerardines. And you know who comes out to meet them? Two guys. And they're not nice guys. <laughs> they are demon-possessed guys. They are fierce, violent. And it says that no one would pass that way. Nobody wants to go there. But Jesus goes there. And his disciples are with him. And you know what he does? He casts those demons out. So what's that tell you? There's places I do not want to go. But sometimes I got to go there. But if the Lord's with me, it's going to be okay. Sometimes we encounter things that seem violent, that seem fierce, that seem dangerous, that can tear your world apart. And that's the way it is sometimes when we encounter difficult things. Because that's that question that's in my mind. (laughs) Why? (laughs) And if God is all good and He's all powerful, I'm still asking why? And in verse 14, Paul tells Timothy, You must continue in these things. Those teachings, my manner of life, my perseverance, my love, my patience. You got to continue in that, Timothy. Because we don't always live by answers, we live by faith. And what these hard times do is they remind us of the truth about this world that we live in. Over in 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, about verse 10, the Apostle Paul says, By the grace of God, listen, By the grace of God, I am what I am. (laughs) By the grace of God, I am what I am. Paul, how'd you endure this? How'd you get through this? By the grace of God, I am what I am. Verse 14. He goes on to say, this is the context where Paul is talking about the resurrection. He says, and if Christ is not risen then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that He raised up Christ whom He did not raise up if in fact the dead do not come to rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. 
If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are, are of all men the most pitiable. You know what Paul's saying? If Christ is not risen, our faith is in vain. And if it is, then we of all men are most pitiable. If Jesus Christ is not risen, you know what that means for this life? That all the pain, all the suffering, all the misfortune that comes our way, is just kind of like, shucks, sorry that happened. <laughs> really hate being you. But if Christ is risen, then all that pain, all that suffering, all that misfortune, then it has purpose. Because then, we show people where our faith is. We show people where our hope is. We show people how God in this life can be glorified. And Paul says, I am, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Now all that pain, all that suffering, all that tragedy, now it has purpose. In Romans 8, the Apostle Paul says that the suffering of this present time is not to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. You know what that means? It's going to come a day when Christ will return and we shall be called to meet Him in the sky. And He'll say, these are mine. And they went through it all and they stayed with me. I would love a world where there's no violence, where there's no murder, where there's no theft, where there's no lying, where there's no illness, where there's no death, where there's no tears, no suffering, no pain. But we don't have that world. We got this. And what I know based upon God's word is that we have a world that is in transition. A world that came from somewhere. And it's going somewhere. But it's not there yet. That there's something, there's something more. Let me give you this illustration. My wife gets after me sometimes for watching commercials. <laughs> commercials are always selling something. I like these commercials where they're selling a product, an item, and it goes something like this. Let's say it's a knife. This is a really great knife. This is a marvelous knife. Everybody agrees. Everybody says so. This knife is wonderful. And you can have this knife for $19.95. And if that's not good enough, we're going to throw in a cutting board. There's more. <laughs> this cutting board is marvelous. Everybody agrees. Everybody says so. 
But there's more. You can get a potato peeler to go along with it. And it's always something more. Right? Well, in this life, we're looking for something more. We're not satisfied with this life. And hard times come. Difficult. Hard to handle. And especially then, we want more. It's imperfect. It's broken. And it leaves us wanting more. But sometimes when this world is beautiful... And there's times when it is, right? There's times when life is amazing and it's wonderful. And during those times, we have a tendency to kind of relax, don't we? It's all good. But then something happens. And there's some evil or there's some heartache. And it reminds us that this world begs for redemption. It begs to be set right. And that's when we're reminded that this world that needs to be redeemed, it has a redeemer. This world that needs to be saved, it has a savior. The people that live in it that need to be forgiven. He offers forgiveness. The relationships that are broken and broken with him and with his father. He restores. And so that process of saving this world, redeeming this world, restoring this world. Has already begun. And you know where he starts? He starts with me. He starts with you. He starts in here. And then it comes out. And then you can see it. And that's what Paul is telling Timothy. I am what I am by the grace of God. And Timothy, you know my teaching. And you know my manner of life. You can see. He restored me. He saved me. And Timothy, that's what other people need to see in you. And so the process has already begun. It's just not complete. And so he reminds us. There's more. And he wants to fill our life with meaning and with purpose. And while it happens... He promises, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. No matter how violent it gets. No matter how scary it gets. Don't forget. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. In Psalms 139 chapter and about verse 16, David says, you saw me 
when I was yet unformed. And he goes on to say, and every day was ordained. You know what that's saying? God sees us from the moment we're conceived. And He knows that. And He knows us intimately. And there is nothing about you and about me that escapes Him. He knows it all. It's interesting in Genesis, the 16th chapter, about verse 13. There's a lowly handmaiden by the name of Hagar. You ever heard of her? And so Abraham and Sarah wanted to have a child and God had promised, but they were a little impatient. And so Sarah cooks up a plan where they might be able to help God along. And so she takes her handmaiden Hagar and gives it to her husband, Abraham, here, have a child with her. And that's exactly what happens. And after it happens, just like Sarah designed, (laughs) and now she's unhappy. (laughs) And she takes it out on Hagar. And she drives her out. And she goes into the desert. But God sees her. And he tells her that she should return. And that she will have a son. And that from her will come a people, will come a nation. And Hagar says, And now I know that you are the God who sees me. Hebrew, you are El-Rohi, the God who sees. David says from the beginning, all the days of my life, Hagar says, no matter what happens, what experience, God is aware. He sees. So the Bible doesn't always tell us why. And sometimes the pieces of the puzzle just doesn't seem to fit together just the way we think it ought to. And sometimes when those difficult times come, it can leave holes in our understanding. It can leave holes in our hearts. But what the Bible tells us That we know. There is one who knows us. There is one who sees us. And he knows you intimately. And he cares. There is nothing in our life that escapes him. Even though this world can seem very challenging, very difficult at times. On the last night, when Jesus was with his apostles, with the disciples, and he knows it won't be long before he will be arrested and he will be taken from them, he tells them, in this world, you will have trouble. (laughs) You'll have trouble. But he says, take heart, for I have overcome the world. 
there's more. See, there's something that Jesus knows that you and I don't know. There's something that Jesus has experienced that you and I have not experienced. You want to know what that is? He knows. He knows the resurrection morning. He knows that. Someday, you and I will know it. So there's more. (laughs) That's what he wants us to know. But thirdly, so how do we respond? Well, we looked at this in class this morning, 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 and 17, right? All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, so that the man of God might be complete, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. God has given you His Word, Timothy, so that you will be thoroughly, adequately, completely furnished for all that you need. This is what you know, Timothy. So don't focus on what you don't know. Focus on what you know. That's what will deliver you, Timothy. And that's why he says, you know my teaching, you know my manner of life, you know my faith, my love, my perseverance. And you, Timothy, chapter 2 and verse 1, you be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So how do we respond? Just the way the Apostle Paul responded, the way Jesus responded. Troublesome times are coming. But it's love and encouragement. Sometimes we think when difficult times come, we need to give somebody an answer. And sometimes we just don't have the answer. But you know what we can give? We can give love. We give encouragement. The book of Job is about a man who suffered greatly, right? He lost his possessions. He lost his family. He lost his health. And then his friends came. And they sat with him. Silent. For seven days. The Jews have a name for that. They call it sitting Sheba. Seven. Just sit. For seven. Be there. So it's love. It's encouragement. In 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 18 then, he says... And the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. You know what that's saying? Paul's saying, I trust him. That's what he's saying. 
That's why I say Paul never shines brighter than he does at this moment. He's staring face or death in the face. And he says, I know. He will deliver me. And so he trusts. And so Isaiah in the Old Testament, the 26th chapter says, about verses 3 and 4, You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord, the Lord Himself, is the rock eternal. So there's love and encouragement. And there's trust. And here's the third and final thing. And this may come from a place that maybe you think is a little bit unusual, but I'll ask you to just kind of stick with me (laughs) as I work down through this. And it's what we sometimes refer to as the Lord's Prayer, right? Matthew, the sixth chapter. And I do not believe that this prayer is just to be uttered rotely, routinely, just to say those words. But I do believe if we take a look at this, it gives us an instruction on how to pray even in those difficult times. So he begins, and Jesus says, Our Father who art in heaven. And that's that relationship. And on that night that Edwin made reference to at the Lord's table this morning, when he was going to be betrayed, he cried out, Abba, Father. It's that closeness. It's that relationship. He's the giver of life, and he cares for us. And he goes on to say, Hallowed be thy name. And that word hallowed is not a word that we use that most often. But what that word means is it means to bring honor. And whenever we say that, we recognize that God can bring good out of tragedy. He can work that to where it brings honor to His name and glory to Him. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And what he's saying is we submit. This is his world. This is his kingdom. And we submit our lives. And we recognize that this world is broken. And that it's in transition. And Jesus is encouraging. For God to accomplish his will. In this life. Give us this day our daily bread. And whenever we say that, what we're recognizing, what we're asking for is provision for today and we recognize the uncertainty of life. That when I say give me this day, this my daily bread, I recognize the uncertainty of it. It's today. Because <laughs> nobody's promised tomorrow. And the world that we live in is uncertain. And forgive us our debts as we forgive those who sin against us or our debtors. And we realize we need forgiveness. They need forgiveness. But most important, we recognize this. 
that God is the one who judges all. In Genesis the 18th chapter, it says, Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? So we trust. And then in the final words, he says, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Lead us not into temptation. And so what that's saying is as we experience this life, we can be tempted. We can be tempted to ask why. And we can be tempted to ask, why did God allow this to happen? But instead of focusing on what we don't know, we focus on what we do know. And that's what keeps us from being led into temptation. So in 2 Timothy 3, in verse 1, Paul says, Perilous, difficult, hard-to-handle times are going to come. But in verse 11, he said, But the Lord delivered me. And so we ask, well, how was that? It was because Paul was able to focus on what he knows, not what he doesn't know. And that's what Paul is encouraging Timothy to do. So I'll close with this final thought. When difficult times come, God is not asking us to get over it. (laughs) One of my oldest sisters, bless her heart, she's passed on from this world but we used to kind of chuckle a little bit because when difficult times would come for different people you could count on her and she would go and she would try to encourage her she would try to fix it (laughs) we used to say Annie will go and fix it (laughs) but we used to chuckle and say and if she can't fix it she wants you to get over it (laughs) Well, God doesn't want us to just get over it. You know what He wants us to do? He wants us to work through it. Can you see that? Yeah. Difficult times come. I want you to give love and encouragement. I want you to trust. I want you to pray. I want you to know this. You'll come out on the other side. And when you do, you'll be stronger on the other side than when you were going in. Difficult times come. That's 2 Timothy 3. I want to extend the invitation this morning to any and all that are here. You've never rendered obedience under the gospel of Jesus Christ. We'd encourage you to do that this very day. Jesus said, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He offers salvation to a broken world, to broken lives. If you're a child of God and not been living as you should, John says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And the blood of his son cleanses us from all unrighteousness. If we can help you in any way, you let us know. 
while together we stand, while we sing.